Happy, uh, <laughs> happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> Belated. Also, happy Sunday to you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have a legitimate Bible like this, you can flip to it. If you have an illegitimate Bible like the Bible app, you can also open that up. I'm just kidding. We love the Bible app here and would encourage you to uh, follow along. They've got, I've got the uh, sermon notes and outlines and stuff in there. Uh, the instructions are here on the screen, I think. We can get them to you. Uh, basically, you open up the app, you go to more, then you go to events, then you find new... No, not that. Don't look at that. Pay attention over here. That was a, we, have, we have fraud in the back. So um, we, you, you go ahead, you go uh, more, then events, then you find new vintage SD. There we go. And then uh, you can follow along with us. And uh, growth group leaders, of course, as always, you've got your questions in there as well. Um, one quick word of uh, just um, something to point out for next Sunday is Vision Sunday here at New Vintage. So uh, you're going to want to make a point to be here and invite all of your friends and family. We've got some exciting stuff. We'll have uh, a pretty comprehensive update on Grand, among other things, and uh, would encourage you to come. It's going to be a great day of just hope and celebration and looking forward. So uh, look forward to that next Sunday. Today, I want to just begin with a series recap. If this is your first time here in a while, or maybe you haven't been with us in the first few weeks of the series, uh, the short version of what we're doing is we're trying to develop that skill of being able to see around the corner, uh, that ability to see the future like you would through a periscope. A periscope is one of those little things that you can use uh, in times of war. If you're in a submarine, you can see up and over the surface of the water, or you can do it in second grade or third grade like that and make it with cardboard and mirrors and things that allow you to take a look in one end right here and maybe see up that way and out that way or up that way and over that way. And what it allows you to do, even as we noted, that the chief biblical skill that we want to develop is just spiritual readiness so that regardless of what greets us from around the corner, we're ready for that. We did a series called Ready for Anything last summer. This is kind of that in the opposite in the sense of, okay, is there a way to look at the future with great hope and develop a set of spiritual skills that allow us to, instead of fearing the future, to be able to look forward to them, even see a little bit what God has in store for us. So with that in mind, I'll take you to Long Beach, California, my hometown. I, last night, um, took part in a race of go-karts. It was my Uncle Tim's, who I'm named after, his 70th birthday party. Now, if you've never been to Long Beach, California, I love it. It's beautiful, and it is known for many things. One of those is having a special relationship with motorized anything. Uh, Long Beach people will put a motor on anything. Uh, you will see motorized skateboards. You will see motorized bicycles. You will see uh, almost anything that you can think of, if you, and you won't see ordinary bicycles. Uh, we will add wheels to things. Uh, so bicycles there, you might have three wheels, five wheels, two wheels. Uh, it might look conventional. It might have a, uh, you might have uh, sissy bars on them. It might have a gooseneck on it and a motor. I mean, we just have this thing about motors and, and trying to make things go faster. And so when the opportunity came for my Uncle Tim to celebrate his 70th birthday, of course, there would be cars and motors involved. He, and he decided he wanted to go to this go-kart track where they race fast go-karts. So these go-karts go almost 50 miles an hour. So we get into these things, and uh, you have to actually do trials. You have to pass the trials to make it to where you can race those. So by the time that you get there, you've only really gone about half as fast as those carts go. 
We finally get to the finale, and it's just the Spivey men. Me, my two cousins, my dad, my uncle, and uh, my brother-in-law. And we're all sitting in there. They make you wear a head sock. We're like, uh, only your eyes are showing. We're also familiar with those in Long Beach. You wear those. Uh, and then uh, you put your, your helmet on, on top of that. And, uh, and so it's just your eyes. The engines are revving, and it's just us on this track. And we're getting ready to cut loose. And so we're all talking trash back and forth. As you, and the engines are revving. We're, we're revving the engines. We're ready to go. Me and my brother-in-law are John back and forth. But we can't really hear each other because it's so loud. And, and our mouths are covered. And you, can only, you can't watch their mouth move because you can only see their eyes. And so it's like, you know, thing. Anyways, the guy that is getting ready to start us is kind of getting annoyed with us because we're breaking rules. Is also a Long Beach thing. <laughs> kind of like turning around and standing up in the cart and looking around. And he's like, sit down. And he's getting tired of us. And so right about the time he's getting ready to, we're at the pole position there, getting ready to take off. Uh, the guy goes, guys, guys, guys. He goes, just have fun. <laughs> just have fun. Okay, cupcake. We'll just have fun. No way. No way. We're in this to win this, man. There's no, there's no having fun. We can have fun. And it, that was kind of my thought. Winning is fun, Cupcake. That's what's fun. You want to have fun? Go win the race. Win the race. That's the fun part. Just have fun. My problem's with the just. By all means, have fun. Why just? I mean, can't you win something and have fun at the same time? Or is it fun or winning? Or have we so kind of made this parallel between winning is only through agony and pain and suffering and losing somehow is fun. I mean, that's kind of uh, in the land of the participation trophy, kind of how we do things, huh? You can have fun or you can win. But you can't do both. I mean, just to have fun has actually almost kind of become the Southern California lifestyle mantra, has it not? It's like, uh, it's a way of life. It's our life song. Just have fun. Sip your wine, take your vacation, hit the beach, run your race for fun. Not to win. Just have fun. Play your sports. Do whatever. Just have fun. I'd like to talk about winning this morning, which is fun. Winning's fun. I played in big games, won and lost. Lost state championship basketball game at the buzzer. It was not fun. Tried to have fun. Losing at the end is hard. It's not very fun. Winning is fun. <laughs> Winning is really fun. And in fact, it's so fun that you pretty much forget the misery that it took to get you there once it happens. And the problem is that we like watching the highlight reels of the victories. Nobody wants to do what it takes to get there. So sometimes it's easier we kind of create a highlight reel without the journey. And that reel on the outside in masking tape says, just have fun. See, in the spiritual realm, this gets us in trouble. And our good man Paul, who is Captain Grace, we just went through Galatians. We know he's all about grace. He's all about not earning your way. Uh, but as we talked about in that series, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. And today he's going to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that whether you realize it or not, sister or brother, you are an athlete. Amen. 
And I don't care if you think you're athletic or not. He says, we're all athletes. And just like athletes run, everybody runs, only one gets the prize. So run like that guy or that gal. Run to win. By all means, have your fun. It'll be fun. But run to win. Don't just run to have fun. So here's where, what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now in context, he's talking about ministry specifically. Right before he gets here, he's talking to the church at Corinth about, their, um, about how he does his ministry. And he talks about becoming all things to all people that he might win some. He doesn't walk in and say, oh, okay, I'm different than they are or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm going to outsource the, the mission work to this particular people group uh, because that's not like me. He says, no, and I was there. I, I changed so that I could become like them so I could win them. And he's trying to give them a sense of pace, Amen. a sense of passion, a sense of purpose in how they go about their ministry. So he's not talking here about just sports. He's using a sports analogy to make a very important point about spirituality. Here's what he says. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, You can insert trophy or something like that there. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right. I'm going to start with a presupposition, and that is we are more likely to win races that we have trained for. I mean, I could fairly safely... If you don't run at all, there was a race this morning and some of our people are running in and have run in already and are here at church. That's what I'm talking about. Win the prize, baby. They're here at church. And if I had taken you down there and you haven't run in years and got the starter pistol out and gone, I'm willing to bet a lot that you're not going to win. You will not win that race. In fact, you could train and still not win the race. (laughs) Those races are hard, and there are people that are more physically gifted or people who train a little bit harder in those particular races. But in general, it's a safe assumption, and Paul seems to make it as you enter the text, that we're more likely to win races that we've trained for. Now, he's talking, again, specifically about ministry here. There isn't wrong with training hard for something else, but it's the task of ministry that he's talking about here. It's matters of the spirit, not the sprint. Matters not of the biceps, but matters of faith, matters of ministry. So as he gets into this, we've got this idea that he says one of the best reasons to pay attention to your spiritual life is so that things that really push you come up. You're ready because you trained for this. If you've been on a good team with a good coach, They are not going to train you to last four quarters. They're going to train you to last five quarters, maybe even six. And they do it because they realize that there's going to come a time when you're going to have to get all of your resources together and then some. 
And they know that there's an edge if we end up in overtime or we end up wherever that might demand a little bit more of you. The weather could turn and you might be playing in the cold. And so they try to train you for stamina, for endurance, for things that allow you to win. Not just to have fun. Now, I don't want to be Captain Grinch here, okay? I, to please, those of you around me, I love having fun. But in matters of the Spirit, what he's saying here is very, very important. Because you don't want to find yourself at some place in your life where you're totally outgunned. Because you haven't trained for it. And one of the saddest things I see just from a pastoral standpoint is people who haven't trained at all, spiritually speaking, train themselves for the ups and the downs of the Christian life or things that go on. Tragedy, for instance. Or something that's going to require real spiritual power in their life and then try to muster up a spiritual life because they haven't trained for that. What Paul's saying is, look, you're all athletes. And you know that all athletes run the race. Run the race as if to get the prize. As if to get the prize. So that you can, when, when those moments come, you can go, I trained for this. I'm ready for this. This doesn't mean you can do it on your own power. It's not that. It's all the Holy Spirit's work in you. But he goes on and he talks about self-discipline. He talks about how, look, athletes are self-disciplined. They don't just, you know, they don't live at the nacho bar. They train, right? They don't, they don't live, you know, in a certain way. They want to win the race, so therefore, they're self-controlled, he says, in all things. Amen. In all things. Now, are there people that I know that are self-controlled in all things? I would have a hard time thinking of one, frankly. So maybe it has more to do with running the races so to get the prize. And it's not so much that you achieve perfection, but that you're running it in such a way that you're willing to do whatever it takes to prepare yourself for that race. For that one. So for instance... Uh, I, 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 every now and then, I've been mentored by, by older pastors, and now I'm actually getting old enough to where I'm doing some of that with, with younger guys. And when I do, what I try to tell them is, look, don't, you need to focus more on, on building your stamina and strength as a pastor, spiritually speaking, because what's going to be required of you at times is going to draw, it's like plugging in a small city into a wall socket. And if you're not prepared for that, then it's going to be, either something's going to blow. It's going to be you, or it's going to be it. The church, the ministry you're involved in, your marriage, it could be something else. You have to focus on what he's talking about here, which is that, that kind of uh, Holy Spirit-powered want to. So I guess he says at the end, he says, so I beat my body into submission so that it'll do what I want it to do, and it'll, I do it so that I can run the kind of race that I'm wanting to run. And so, sister and brother, when you get to this point in your, your life where that power is required, it would be nice. I wish I could say it's happened to me every time. Sure has not. But that you can get to that point where you go, I've trained for this. There is a nice feeling. It brings a lot of security. When I, I had the soccer coach was also the baseball coach when I was, when I was playing baseball. Uh, and he had us run way too much. Way too much, okay, for, for what we needed to do. But the upside was, we knew that when we were playing toward the summer, and it got hot, all the fat guys were going to be sweating bad. 
and we were going to be ready. That was his thinking. He goes, when we get late in the season and it's hot, really, really hot, you're going to be ready to play. So I took that, and when I became a softball coach, I did a similar thing. I'm trying to get them in shape so that if this game goes into extras and we're playing 7, 8, 9, 10, they can keep playing. And you can play it to your favorite sport, right? You've got football games going on. Well, if this goes into double overtime, you're going to see what kind of shape people are in. You're going to see how tough they really are if that weather turns south and they're playing, you know, twice as long as they thought they were going to be playing, right? See, he's trying to prepare us for something. And I wish I could promise you that if you come to Christ, your life's going to be just totally sunny all the time. That's just not how it works. Or that the race you're you're going to run is going to be all on flat ground with no elevation changes. And everybody will just be handing you cups of water as you go. There'll be a masseuse every fourth of a mile. That's not how it works. Sisters and brothers, I'm here to tell you. If you really start taking what he's saying seriously and you decide you're going to run that kind of race, often the journey gets tougher. Not easier, but it's beautiful to be able to stand back and go, you know what, I trained for this. Bring it. Bring it. And develop one of those things that you start looking forward to the next challenge because you know you trained for it. Does that make sense? We're all athletes. Everybody runs, but only one gets the prize. He says, run that way. And the way you do it is you start with who, not what. You go first who, then what. So Paul starts with identity. We are athletes. He's an athlete. He sees himself that way. So he acts like an athlete. We are Christians. So we act like Christians who are serious about winning the prize. What would that look like? It means I take my righteousness seriously. It means I take my, my, my brain seriously. I'm loving God with my mind. It means I'm taking my service to Him seriously. And that means that shapes the life I lead. So just like if I was a competitive athlete in sports, I would not spend my life at the nacho bar. In the Christian sphere, if I'm trying to develop that kind of character, it means I put together some sort of training that allows me to get better and stronger and faster so that when I find myself in battle against Satan, I don't short-circuit. I don't melt down. Because I'm ready. I'm trained for this. And so as long as I'm on this earth, I want to run, not just run the race, and, and not in that kind of guy that does like the eight-hour marathon, okay? I'm talking about that kind of thing that says, okay, not only am I going to enter this marathon, I want to win this thing. So I'm going to train as though I actually want to win. And when that gun goes off, I'm running. And I'm running as disciplined of a race as I can, as focused of a race as I can. And you know what? That may sound like it's not a lot of fun. It's the greatest fun there is. I mean, there's a reason they pour Gatorade on winners and not losers. Just saying. And in the Christian sphere, there is nothing better than putting that flag in the top of the hill for the kingdom of God. Whenever God gets a big win, and I get a front row seat to that, that is the best feeling there is. You are not going to find... A picture of me in the ocean with somebody freshly baptized and me frowning. It's the funnest thing there is. Waves knocking us down and 
you know, choking on water and, uh, you know, all the hippies staring at us like, what the heck kind of cults out here today, man? And all that. I love that. Watching people come to Jesus. Watching things get going. Do you know how good it's going to feel when we open the doors of Grand? Okay. Well, unless the people going into Grand have trained for that to get them from point A to point B, then they perish in the wilderness. <laughs> all right? I mean, you can't, you can't do that. You've got to train for something like that, and you've got to be ready when the time comes. And so then when you do it, you run the race as such to win the prize. To win the prize. When's the race over? When you're dead. And when it's done, I have no evidence they pour Gatorade on you at the pearly gates. I have none. But it would be awesome. He starts with the who. It starts with, who do I want to become? Not what should I do. What kind of person am I supposed to be? Paul says you're an athlete in the kingdom of God. You're an athlete. Sisters and brothers, you're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. And that means you run that race to win. To win. I'm not competing against my brothers and sisters. We're not enemies. We're running it together. We're on the same team. It's more like an Olympic race where everybody, all the Americans are running together against those lesser versions of ourselves, what we could have been if we just wanted to mail it in and not run to win against Satan and the kind of life he wants us to live. We're running against that, against the apathy and the spiritual decay of the society we live in. We're running against all of those things, and we're running it together, but you only get there if you're you're running to win. So I don't know. I think we need to start putting some thought into whether it's a good idea to make it acceptable to simply sign up for the race and not run. Or to sign up, get the swag, and go home. Or walk it when everybody else is running it. I don't know. We're unlikely to experience the highest peaks of, in, in life, I guess, if we chase the lowest common denominator all the time. From a spiritual standpoint, the lowest common denominator keeps you in the valley, usually. Yep. Starting with the who and then the what also makes sure our, our priority is in line. If I'm thinking all the time about what kind of person am I supposed to be, uh, who am I becoming in Christ, who would God want me to be, then guess what? I'm more likely to become that kind of person. Uh, if I never think about that, and most of my life is spent pursuing other interests, then my priorities are off. Uh, number two, train like a champion, not a participant. That's what Paul's saying. If you want to boil it down to one sentence, there it is. Train like a champion, not a participant. I got mixed feelings on the participation trophy. I'm old enough to remember that uh, those days when uh, my, first, my first thing I ever did, I was, it was Little League, I was four, I was four years old, T-ball. Our team got first, and so we got up, and we went and got our first-place trophies. Second-place team got a smaller trophy. Third-place team got, like, a figurine, and then nobody else got anything. That's how it went back in those days, right? 
And they realized that for some people it felt bad to do that, so they started giving everybody something. And then still, I think in every league I've been associated with, whoever gets first place gets the biggest trophy still and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how, I think, when you sit down and you, uh, when you take all the factors into account how bad of an idea it is, I do think this. I do think that it does get you to a point where you can start thinking that just playing the game at all is a win. And that's okay in sports in some ways. I mean, now, I'm not, you guys who know me know I I'm, I'm, I'm don't really mean it's okay in the total sense of don't try. But I'm going to tell you, man, in the spiritual realm, it's blasphemy to just participate. Yep. It is. It's blasphemy. Because what we're saying is what God has us involved in isn't important enough to try. That's what, we, that's what it is. And I think that as a result, when you have, a, say, a group of Christians or other people or just use your own life as an example in those moments when you haven't tried as hard or you haven't had the passion to carry you forward, uh, it makes us a lesser version of ourselves. It makes the church a lesser version of itself. It takes, makes the kingdom of God just maybe, it's still great and it's still going to triumph and all that, but, but your contribution is missing. I mean, just apply it to other areas of life. Martin Luther King weekend, right? Celebrating a great man, great ministry, changed our country for the better. Imagine, instead of, I have a dream, the speech was, I have a thought. (laughs) I have a suggestion. (laughs) I mean, uh, you just, it's so weak. People don't give their lives for suggestions. They give it for dreams. Right? Ladies, when you get married, do you want a husband? Some of you might go, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I'm saying, would well, you want a husband or do you want a good husband? You deserve a good husband. Everybody deserves a good spouse, right? Somebody who's trying to get better. Not just somebody who's there to just, you know, like generic husband tag or wife tag on there. And you don't want a participant. You want somebody who's going to try, somebody who's going to put some effort into it. You don't want, I mean, do you want, let me ask you this. Let's get a little more personal. Do you want a pastor who tries? Or you want one who's just pastor? Who's a participant? But he's not trying. He's not trying to win the race. He just wants to enlist. Right? How about this? I'm going to preach to myself now. Pastor, do you want church members that just are members? Or do you want people that are in it, I mean, to take names? I mean, to take hills for the kingdom of God? I mean, I, used to, I see it both ways. Okay, let's, let's take it one step further to get a little uncomfortable. I think this is good for us, all right? You know, I, I, I used to be of the mindset that uh, it would break my heart when somebody would say, oh, I was gone for two months and nobody noticed. Now I changed my mind on that. What? You were gone for two months and nobody noticed. Were you ever there? I mean, yeah, it could be. Like in a church of 3,000 people, maybe. But it might be if you were gone for two months... You usually only went to church every three months. 
So why would we have assumed anything had changed? If a church member falls in the forest and nobody notices they're gone, can you hear it, you know? I mean, why is it always on the church? I mean, are, are the pastors and the churches the only ones that are supposed to run the race to win? I mean, it's not called first pastors, it's first Corinthians. It's everybody. We're all athletes. We are supposed to be running to win the prize. So, I'll tell you what, I'm going to run hard. I'm going to train hard. I'm going to run hard, and you're welcome to come with me. And I, I'm thankful to God that we got some people in here that I know are in it to win it. That they're in it to win the prize. Okay, not just have fun, but actually trying to win the prize from our Heavenly Father. And it's not just about enlisting signing up for the participation trophies of this life. It's about trying to, as he says, he says, look, everybody runs. Only one wins. Run like that guy. Now, does that mean we're, we're not competing with each other? We're competing against the devil. We're competing against the resistance to, to the things of, this, of, of the kingdom, the, the wind that, that blows in our face. But when it comes, if we're living the kind of life that God wants us to live, then we've trained for that. Right? It's, it's the kingdom of hell will not prevail against us. Not the participation trophy carrying Christians. The people who are trying to run, to win the prize. The consolation prize is called that to console people who lose, which assumes that they were trying to win. I wonder if it should be renamed from time to time. And that maybe we only give out consolation prizes for people who were trying to win to begin with. Nothing wrong with, con with coming in second when you run to win. But when you come in last, because you thought that whatever race you were in was so useless, so trivial, that it wasn't worth the fight, it wasn't worth the journey, I don't think you deserve a trophy of any kind. And certainly in the kingdom of God, that's not the case. Because the race we're in, that's for keeps. This is an eternal race. This is a race, the race of races. This is, this is the one, the big one. It's the only one that on this earth matters. The only one. And so he says, look, you're athletes, we're all athletes. And we're running this race, so let's race as to get the prize. Far too many of us are content with the consolation prize. And some of us don't deserve one. Because we don't need consolation, because we never cared enough to begin with. Shame on us. And God, through Paul this morning says to me, Tim, hustle up, dude. Let's go. Let's go. You're in the race. This is the big one. Let's go. Now, he then goes to his purpose, which fuels the performance. 920, chapter 9, verse 25. He says, an athlete exercises self-control in all things. Why? Because you're athletes. The purpose is to win the race. Therefore, I exercise self-control in all things. Thus, 
Athletes don't eat a lot of Twix or ice cream or things like that, which bums me out, okay? (laughs) Because I like ice cream and Twix and Kit Kat and nachos, pizza, a whole bunch of things. But doing that and being an athlete, So, sisters and brothers, that means if you're really trying to win the race, that means you're going to deal with whatever it is that's being toxic to your training. That means 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 you're going to start canceling some stuff. You're going to start getting some help with some stuff. You're going to start repenting of some stuff. And start getting lean. Start getting fast, spiritually speaking. But you 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 got to be determined. You've got to be determined. Paul says don't, he doesn't train aimlessly. He doesn't just box at the air. Purpose is what fuels his focus. It fuels his energy. It fuels his passion. It's what allows him to exercise self-control in all things. There's this quote from Jim Rohn. It says this, We must all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. Man, is that the truth. I read that and it hit me like a ton of bricks. 2 Timothy 1.7, my favorite verse of the Bible. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, and love, and self-discipline. Where does the self-discipline come from? Well, Paul doesn't make it all pretty and rosy and over-spiritualized. He says, I beat my body into submission so that I'm not disqualified. But then, it's a Holy Spirit thing. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So the closer I get to the Spirit of God, the more self-controlled I become. The more... Uh, I drift away from the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. The more I quench the Holy Spirit in my life, the less self-control I'm going to have. Now again, I'm talking in the spiritual realm here. Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. It's a Holy Spirit thing. So when old man Paul gets to the end, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, he writes this. This It's one of the last things he ever wrote. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. That's a metaphor for I'm getting ready to die. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Award to me on that day. The crown. And not only to me, but all those who have, who have loved his appearing. So he finished running the race to win. So there's two pieces. You run it to win, and you finish. And when that's done, you do those two things, you run the race. You finish the race. He's got a crown for you. Not a participation trophy. The crown of righteousness, Paul calls it. 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Man, and all along the way, all along the way, guess what? We're having fun. Because winning is fun. Winning's really fun. So that's the call this morning. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. I'd like to ask those who are going to be passing the elements to go ahead and take their spots. Our good brother Paul finished running the race to win, which is winning in the kingdom of God. So now we're going to remember the Lord Jesus Christ who there ever was somebody in it to win it, it was him. And so now as we remember him with bread and cup, which represents his body, which was nailed to the cross for our sins, and the cup which represents his blood that was shed for our sins, uh, we do so asking him to instill in us a passion to run. There are a lot of people in here who love running physically but don't love running spiritually. You have some sense of what it takes to run in in a way. But there are others of us who hate running physically, but we love it spiritually. You're never more yourself when you're serving others, when you're reaching somebody for Jesus, when you're showing up and encouraging people in the body when you're leading your group or when you're doing those things that that's when you feel free and exhilarated and when you you feel like you're your best self and if you don't know what's that what that's like i'm going to pray as we take communion here in just a moment that god's going to give you a taste of what that's like and that you'll fall in love with it and that from that point on that's just who you want to be And that through the Spirit's power, you will organize your life in such a way that it trains you for that. So that uh, when the the headwinds of life blow into your face, you can step back and say, thank God I've trained for this. Rely on the Holy Spirit's power and that of your fellow runners here as we go.